Hello there, my name is Tiffany, and I'm super excited to jump into today's episode with Diana Soto. In the 2021 bundle, she'll be joining us to teach strength and sensuality, a Saidi stick choreography. So today, we dive into Saidi dance and ways to make sure that we're rooting our innovation in tradition. Check out this course and many more in the 2021 Belly Dance Bundle. Now, let's get spinning. Hello, dancers, and welcome to Yala Rocks, the belly dance podcast that helps you design your personal practice. Today, we have with us Diana Soto. Welcome to the podcast, Diana. Hello. (laughs) I'm very happy to be here. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you on the podcast this year and in the bundle because you might, when we made the trailer, this is how I'm going to explain it. When we made the trailer for the, the, the teaser video for the bundle this year, um, my husband used your videos more than anybody else's because they like, he was just like, yes, these are amazing. Um, so you, if you watch that trailer, you're in like three different spots in it yeah. with your, with your video. I got to give props there to my partner, Jeff, who like, he did all the camera work and the editing and he went all out. With you it, are so. just like fantastic, but the energy you bring to your dance and the energy you bring to, to what you do. And even like sitting here with me is just phenomenal. So I'm super excited to have you in the bundle on the podcast. This is going to be fantastic. I'm super excited. So let's dive in. Let's jump in. Tell everybody a little bit of your backstory. How did you find Middle Eastern dance? How did it take over your life? (laughs) That is accurate, my friend. That is always accurate. It's always that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah, this is actually an, an interesting story that there's some drama in it like I think happens often and and it's also a love story so I found belly dance already as an adult and as a professional dancer so I've been dancing professionally since I was 15 originally Spanish dances especially flamenco and contemporary dance and then uh when I was 25 I was diagnosed with breast cancer oh no I kind of went into a huge pity party which you know seemed appropriate for the situation (laughs) you deserve to have that pity party that's a that's not a great place to be I know I know and I was 25 so it was kind of like a freak of nature kind of thing you know the only young person in the room nobody ever thought of it you know um and after like two months I'd say of being in a very very dark place emotionally my birthday was coming up and I was like you know what this pity party has been going on fairly long maybe it's time I do something about it it's for my birthday you know it's just for my birthday and so I was like okay I want to try going back to dancing because I had stopped dancing with like the cancer diagnosis and whatnot but I was a proud mother can I say that word no (laughs) I was a proud person so I didn't want to go back to flamenco or modern dance where Mm -hmm. my peers would see me and would see me kind of like yeah as a chemo patient Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was like okay what's a dance style that I've never tried and I had tried a lot of stuff 
and that nobody could ever suspect that I'm trying it. <laughs> and so that ended up being belly dance. I was like, yes, perfect. So I'm going to do this thing during the summer. I'm going to have fun. Belly dance is like very fluffy and happy. It will distract me. And then I'm going to forget all about it. And I'll go back to doing my serious flamenco mother dance stuff. And here we are. <laughs> and here we are. Almost a decade later. <laughs> this is what happens when you under- underestimate the power of belly dance. Oh, my God. It was insane you know uh, I connected with it in such a real way perhaps because of you know the circumstances in which I found it but it really it became a life raft for me you know creatively spiritually physically even you know and yeah one week after my last chemo I did my first belly dance performance my t-shirt was amazing and she actually choreographed a Saidi piece Oh, so that everybody could wear turbans so that no one would know that I had cancer because I, I I wasn't the kind of cancer patient that wanted to like share it with the world. And I was like, no, this is my deal. And I am Diana first. Cancer is just something that happened to me. I didn't want to be a cancer story. Like yeah. I respect everybody manages different way. Yes. But my way, you know, it was important for me to feel like my identity as a person was first foremost wasn't tied into all of what was happening so I'm really grateful for her to have that inventiveness and of course my troupe was amazing everybody was like yeah let's do it so everybody got turbans we all look very similar didn't feel singled out and yeah it was a Saini piece now that I think about it I had a click but that was my very first belly dance performance so yeah that's how it all started that's that's amazing because I was gonna ask like as we went through this like what what drew you to Saidi and what drew you to the cane? And like, even you kind of didn't realize like, oh, wait. It's so funny. It hadn't clicked. It hadn't clicked until now. But yeah, that was my very first performance experience. Um, Later on, I would say like maybe two or three years into my dance study, I decided that I wanted uh, to do a solo performance. And I picked Saidi again, spoke to me. And so, but it was funny because when I, I picked it, I I didn't want to do cane as in the with the hook, you know? Yes. I really wanted the stick. And back then it was not as popular as now. Like back then that was weird. Well, you couldn't find an Asaya. Like you just no, you just couldn't, you couldn't find so one. So I actually I talked to a friend of mine, she worked with wood and she made Asayas for me. And she would like burn Amazing. them to create like the design and then she glossed them with glitter because Hello, we're belly dancers. You want to introduce everybody on the podcast here to your friend? I think we all would like to place some orders. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, so she made these sticks specially for me. She also was amazing. She measured me. So she made the stick like a good length for my particular body type. And I started working on this. And what I loved about it is that I feel like the stick in particular is like one of the most underrated props out there you know it's not like as maybe uh glamorous as isis wings or the danger factor of of a sword you know the 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 fabulousness of a bale you know it's it's literally a stick (laughs) you can you can be dazzling all you want but it's like the most primal prop humanity has had ever probably 
and yet you can do so much with it. You know, I love especially the lines, how you can work with lines, how you can work with frames, creating frames with your bodies, directing your audience attention to certain body parts, to certain parts in the music. And I love the power because it is a freaking stick. I can hit you with it. So <laughs> I think that's also very interesting and something that, you know, it's been changing. I would say in the last two years, it's been changing. But when I started belly dance, I felt like as a community, we were very afraid to own our assertiveness. On oh, stage. yes. You know, absolutely. Like we had a lot of issues with that. And I was like, no, I can be sexy and sensual and beautiful and also be extremely assertive and commanding even. And that's okay. <laughs> and and that's even just one way of dancing with a stick right like dancing with a cane like you can also make it flirty and 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 not you know like so assertive you can pull it back like I think yeah. the there's a lot of versatility in props and we don't always see that because we you know we only see because it's not as popular we only see a couple mm -hmm. of people do this or a couple people right. do that and so we assume that those are the ways that you can dance with that thing and so you know we might see only the people who are being really like coy and flirty dancing with a cane. So when someone comes out and they're like, look at me, I'm going to assertively like swing this around and like, I'm powerful as hell. You're like, oh, wait a minute. You can do, you can do that. Yeah. You know? And like, that is such a revelation. And I think it makes props honestly more fun because you're not yeah. boxed into this this yes. one idea of how it can be used in your dance. Yes, yes, totally. And I think, you know, we sometimes like we assign like stereotypes is not the word I'm looking for, but perhaps characters to mm. props, you yes. know, we assign characters or moods to props because someone made it famous, you know, and, and that's not it. Let the prop speak. You know, if you let the prop speak, it might take you a whole lot of different places with it, you know? And again, another aspect that it's a very common mistake when people start working with props, any sticks or any other is the musicality of it, you know? So sometimes when we start working with a prop, we focus so much on the tricks of it that we don't really like, Hey, it's about the music, my friend. <laughs> yes. And like, you can't see how excited I am because you're listening to the podcast. But like, I'm like here. Yes. Because I thought earlier when you were mentioning one of the things you love so much about Asayas and with, with this prop is that you can direct the audience's attention to a body part or extend the lines. You weren't talking about the tricks and I was going to bring that back up later. It's like, yes, this 100% this. Yeah. Cause in the end. Anybody can do tricks with enough determination and practice. Anybody can do tricks, but how you make the stick dance, how you make the stick a part of your body, an extension of your body, that will be unreplicatable, you know, because that is you, that is your signature, you know. And, and, and so for me, that is the most fascinating part. Yes, learn the tricks because. Because they're really fun. Tricks are really fun. I'm not against them. I use them a lot. But how do you make them your own? And how do you make them part of your piece? You know, for example, I have a Dapke Glam piece. So there I'm using a cane with an actual hook and lots of payettes. And it's very fancy. And I use that cane very differently than I would in like my strength and sex sensuality warrior Saidi piece. You know, mm -hmm. it's the same prop 
but I'm using it different because my characters in the dance are different. You see? 100%. That's, that's absolutely fantastic. And something I just, I feel like that gets missed. And then people are afraid of props. They don't, they don't know how to start. They're like, oh, I have to do it this way or that way. And I, and I don't know how to express that character or that persona. And then you add this other prop in and there's just too many things going on. Like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go dance over here on my own. Yeah. And that's something that the freedom that you're talking about Mm -hmm. really, I feel like opens that door. Like, Hey, just come in and do, do a little bit, do this, do it this way. Do it like you, you don't have to do it like me. You don't have to do it like anybody else. Come and do it like yourself. And that makes it so much more accessible, I think for people. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, that also is connected to how we teach. So for example, when I'm teaching, I really like to point out the principles of what I'm teaching. So it's not like just imitate me in placing the stick this way. It's like, here I am working a principle of alignment. I am working on angles. I am working on direction. Do you see how I built this moment? You know, why is this moment powerful? Why this, Why is this a wire moment? Well, look at my angle here. Look at the way I'm holding the stick. I'm, am I holding the stick with fist or am I holding the stick delicately? That's going to change how the audience perceives it. Are my arms tense and am I creating that muscle tension to really like, or am I like softening it? And so, but that's part of the job of the t-shirt to be transparent with those principles. And I feel like as t-shirts, we don't always do that. Perhaps not everybody goes that nerdy into like the whys of mm-hmm. the dance. And that's okay. Everybody has their own style. But at least for me, my goal when I'm teaching is really to give you tools, not just steps. You know, I want you to be able to come up with your own thing. And if I want you to be able to do that, I need to teach you the principles of the dance and not just the choreo. So for the 2021 bundle, your contribution is this strength and sensuality Saidi stick choreography. And one thing that you mentioned in the description, which I absolutely love, right, is that you believe that innovation is rooted in tradition. And I feel like this here, what you're talking about, like giving people the tools behind mm-hmm. behind the tricks, behind the flash, behind what it portrays to the audience, I feel like it's, it's doing that, right? Like that's taking that step back behind the curtain of yeah. like what Saidi looks like once you put it on a stage and where does it come from and how does it work in that space? So can you tell us a little bit about kind of yeah. this part of the dance and how it influences what you do? Sure thing. So uh, I'm really gra- glad that you brought that up because it's something really important for me. Like I'm very known for being innovative and creative, but I am extremely rigorous in my practice. And one of the reasons that allows me to be very innovative is that I really dive deep into the traditional sections of it so that when I go into any kind of innovation, I know what I'm doing, basically, you know? And if I don't know what I'm doing, I do the research to find out because it's okay, we don't know everything, that's totally fine. But then do your due diligence, you know, find out, be intentional in your choices. So basically, you know, Saidi refers to a folkloric dance from the Said, which is a region in Egypt. It is important because it's a region that's very much known for its sense of pride in that particular region, you know? So the way I can compare it to like a United States equivalent is like how 
Texas is Texas, you know, don't <laughs> mess with Texas. So it's a similar kind of vibe with the Said. And if you're going to represent it, well, you got to understand that's where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. You cannot dance it like a boss. It is not a boss. <laughs> you know, it has different kind of attitude and so it is very important I think for whatever kind of work you're going to be doing with Saidi that you have that sense of groundedness because the dance comes from a cultural context that is incredibly grounded and it is proud in a relaxed kind of way so not proud like an arrogant shoving it in your face way but proud like yeah This is mine. Mm -hmm. I'm from here. I don't have anything to prove to you. <laughs> you know? and, and so from that pace, then you can move on to do all kinds of other crazy things. But if your feeling is right, and that's going to come in your foot placement, that's going to come in how you interpret the music, that's going to come with your accents, with, you know, acknowledging. I always like to tell my students, if you're going to do like something a little bit crazy, make sure that before and after you kind of do a tip of the hat to the tradition. So people know that you did it on purpose, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, like I know, and now I'm going to do something kind of out there, but I promise I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's also a consideration for your audience because mm -hmm. you're, you're allowing them to follow you. If you go too crazy, too fast for too long, you will lose your audience. You know, it needs to be recognizable. If you want to take them a little bit further, you got to earn their trust. How do you earn their trust? By making it recognizable. And then you start like pushing it and pushing it. And then you bring it back again. And you push it and you bring it back again. So it's a conversation there. Uh, and so there's a phrase that I really love. It's from a Puerto Rican musician. He's a jazz musician. But I use it a lot to explain kind of my teaching philosophy, especially with things like Saidi or Dabki. And it's roots before branches. Nice. So we need to ground. We need to ground first. We need to have our roots planted firmly so that we can feel steady. We can feel confident. And then we get to the branches and we will get to the branches. We're not going to stay stuck in the roots. That's fine. We're going to fly. But if you want to fly, you need those very strong roots to carry into, into space. That is a fantastic saying. That is, that is really great because even if you do just stay in a folklore and just do the roots, like it doesn't mean you have to. Right. It's a choice. You know, it's a choice, but it, without the roots, like you can't just have Well, I was going to say you can't have a branch without the roots, but you're literally dancing with a stick. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can, but I would argue it's not a choice anymore. It's not a choice anymore. Yes. It's an impulse, you know, and, and that has a space. Impulsive dance has a space, but it's probably your living room and not a stage. I would completely, I would completely agree with that statement. Spicy take, whatever, you know, <laughs> you're going to take it to the stage. And especially if you're going to ask people for their money and their time, and we all know those are precious commodities, then you have to be making choices. And for me, that is a big part of being an artist. It's about owning, owning your choices, you know, even if other people don't like it. I'm not even going into like, are your choices popular or not? But are they actual choices? Were you mm -hmm. like... Yeah, I understand the context. And no, this is what I want to do. I know a lot of people won't like it, but this is one of the, okay, I can respect that. But if you're just like vomiting yourself on stage and you expect me to pay for it, I am going to be a little bit pissed, to be very honest with you. Mm -hmm. I don't have time for that. Right? <laughs> exactly. And I think yeah. it is like that rule of thumb that you said, like give a little hat tip, push the, push the envelope, 
and then come back. And that's just such a great way to consider like when you're putting these things together and you're like, okay, where do the tricks come in? Where does this new thing I figured out come in? Because I think a lot of us worry about that when we create Saidi pieces or, you know, any, any type of folkloric piece that maybe we're fusing more into a Cairo style or a glitzy, glammy mm-hmm. style. Like as we move away from the home style, we, we, we have that worry a lot. Like, are we being authentic? Are we doing enough? Like what's too much? And that kind of gives people like a barometer there to, to use, to kind of navigate those waters. And that's, that's a powerful thing to have that kind of rule of thumb to, to work off of. Totally. That's fantastic. So when you are teaching, right, you, you like to teach the background, you like to teach the roots to get into the innovative stuff. What did you struggle with a lot when you started dancing Saidi dance with once you started incorporating more cane work? Where do you feel there are like the hurdles, the obstacles that people kind of run into regularly? You see it in more than just one student. It's kind of like a universal thing that we all struggle with. Yeah. All right. So I can mention three things. The number one is like the basic hop for Saidi. Yeah. The name already is tricky because the name says hop. So in our Western minds, we want to jump and we want to take our energy towards the sky and that will completely kill you. So Saidi is very grounded. So there is a kind of hop and I'm doing like finger quotes here, but actually you're, you, you need to direct your energy towards the earth. And that is very bizarre, I find, for Western dancers in particular, you know, to feel that connected to the earth, to direct their energy downward, and from that downward energy lift, rather than just like jump. So that's, so a lot of students when they start, and this happened to me in the beginning too, I had to work on it, you know, uh, we're kind of a little bit too jumpy, too fluffy. Mm -hmm with it and that will immediately kill your Saidi. You can do a super traditional like choreography, all traditional steps, very traditional musicality. But if you're kind of just like jumping all over the place, it's it's not gonna have that feeling because it's not grounded. Mm-hmm. So that's what definitely the most common. Then of course when we're talking about tricks, I think relaxing into it which is a common problem in belly dance in general with jimmies with bail so if you're doing a twirl for example you can't control the cane through the whole circle of the twirl you're gonna be able to let let go for a second and let gravity do the work for you i find that's very hard for people in the beginning Mm -hmm. to lose control and trust that the cane will come back to you i think too like we all of the things you mentioned right it's just kind of endemic across the entire dance that we have a hard time letting go even though it's such a like loose dance we're just thinking too hard we think too hard all the time (laughs) yeah so so you know I think those two are very important and then third I would say once people have mastered like a basic vocabulary of Saidi then going into the musicality of it really understanding that the stick should dance with you, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's not just you moving the stick around, you know? Really, how can you make the music come alive with your stick? How can the stick be an extension of what you're doing? You know, that's more at at, at the advanced level. Obviously, first you have to master the actual technique of the stick and the actual technique of Saidi, and then we can get into the other one, but that that would be a, a common challenge later on. 
So I think the part here, like, because working on being more grounded, working on actually, you know, just, it's just practice, right? Spin the cane more, learn a little bit of technique. Those things kind of will resolve themselves over time Mm -hmm. if you focus on the technique. But the musicality piece, this is the tricky one, right? For people, this is, this is the, like, when you tell people, yes, please like express more in your movements. And they're like, how on earth am I supposed to do that? Like, can you talk a little bit more about this? Like how, how do you start to get into that musicality and start to really work with it? Because Saidi music is different, right? It's got you know, it's got more of like the Mismar. It's, it's got this different sound than a lot of like what we would consider traditional belly dance music. And I think that throws people a little bit. So how, how do we start getting into all of this goodness and, and pulling something out that we can do in our practices? Right. So I can share two strategies. One of them is really diving deep with uh, Saidi dancers that you like. So pick two dancers that you like their style for whatever reason, and pretty much just like swallow their dance videos. And as you're doing that, (laughs) (laughs) take notes, take notes of what moments call your attention and why did they call your attention? Try to inquire a bit more about that. What was it? Was it the music? Was it the strength of it? Was there muscle tension? Was there a particular gaze or look that they did? You know, what are they picking up on the accent? Are they working with the melody? Are they working with the bass rhythm? You know, what are they dancing on? On those moments that you like. You know, I always like to start when I'm, especially when I'm coaching students one-on-one, Start with what you like, what calls your attention, because as you start writing that down and kind of breaking it down in pieces, what you like in others, you'll start getting a more concrete sense of what you yourself like as an artist and as a dancer, you know, and then you can read all those like stream of consciousness thoughts that you wrote as you were swallowing those videos and you have something more concrete about what you're attracted to. And then you can try and go and replicate it on your own. And then the other strategy, I would say, yeah, take classes with teachers that are forthcoming about their creative process, you know, that that are not just going to tell you like, left, right, left, right, one, two, three, four, five, six, but they're going to tell you why they made the artistic choices that they made, you know, and there are many teachers that do that. So, and, and, and you can find that out, you know, you can look at their social media, how do they talk about dance? Are they like just like promoting 80% of the time or are they breaking down concepts for you? You know, are Mm -hmm. they trying to go a little bit beyond? Because sometimes the best way to learn something is to see an example of somebody else, you know, on how they are. Yeah. Like find someone who will take you with that, like take you with them into the, into the creation process. Exactly. Into the creative journey, you know, into the creative process, you know, and for this section, I could have done this, but I chose to do that. Or for example, something I like doing a lot when I'm teaching a choreography, especially, I am very music driven in my dance. So I sing a lot in my classes, not well, but I sing good enough for people to understand what I'm following. But I find that to be very important and useful for my students because something that gives a choreography a lot of dynamism and like pizzazz is when you change in between the layers of the music. So as a teacher, I want to be forthcoming with you and tell you, okay, so here I am working with the curves and now whoop, I'm gonna go with the mismo for this section. And I whoop, I'm gonna catch 
that drum accent that came here. And I sing it to my students. And a lot of time I make them sing it too, because I have noticed that when people sing and dance at the same time, they learn it faster and they learn it better, you know? And this is actually from adult pedagogy, you know, when you're training people, if the person is saying what they're doing at the same time that they're doing it, they learn it better. So I kind of took that concept from adult pedagogy and I took it to dance. Now we're actually going to sing it and dance it at the same time. And of course, people in the beginning are a little bit awkward and I have to make jokes, you know, and <laughs> make sure that they, you know, they know it's okay. I'm like, don't leave me alone. Don't sing with me, please. Don't abandon me. But eventually, you got to give people the excuse to talk to themselves while they do things. Yeah. Right. It's, it helps. It helps. Just, you know, gotta, gotta move past that initial stage of awkwardness and just like, let it fly. Let it fly. Yeah. And it's beautiful because it's happened to me that, you know, after a student has worked with me for a while, I may be teaching a choreography and they'll be like, are you doing that? Or are you doing like the doom, doom, that, doom, that, that. I'm like, yeah, you're getting it. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, to me that, you know, that makes me feel really proud because you are starting to have a more nuanced on understanding of the music you know mm -hmm. and you're stand, starting to really understand in your bones in your body that you have choices when you're dancing to the music so a common mistake i see in in dancers say like up to even intermediate advanced is that they kind of like the music becomes like an order and they just dance it it's like no you have choices you you, you can choose what you're going to dance to and still be with the music but you can choose what part of the music you're going to be doing and usually at least for me my particular case the artists that i find more interesting and engaging to watch over and over and over again our artists are making choices with, with, with their music. And you can kind of see it, like someone like Esmeralda Colaboni. You can see her music choices super clearly, you know, or, or Sahar Samara. You can see, and they're very different choices, but, but it works and it's interesting. But you can tell that they're making them. And it comes back to what you were saying earlier, right, about the roots and the branches. Like yes. you're making choices when you have a stick in your hand. How, what are you going to portray? Are you going to hat tip to the folklore? Are you going to push the envelope? Are you going to do a trick? Are you going to point back towards your body and what you're doing? All of this works together to create your style, your piece, and how you interact with your props and your dance. Yes. And so, for example, to give people something a little bit more concrete, how can I make music with my stick, so to speak? So basically, how you move the stick, what is the kind of movement you're doing? Are you doing a circle? Are you doing like kind of spirals? Are you doing a line that will kind of like create a different sound visually? How fast are you moving it? That will also help you like pinpoint that sound. And then also, and this is where sometimes people like don't catch it in the beginning, how you stop the stick, you know? So if I'm gonna mm. have like a very hard, boom, then your stick needs to stop in a very hard boom. But if it's like, then your stick is gonna like stop in a different way. And I feel like that one, people never realize it in the beginning, but then when they're thinking, it's like, oh yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, that makes sense. This is awesome. I cannot wait for people in the bundle to dive into this class with you and start studying with you and, and really kind of diving into the artistic process with you since this is something that you like to share as you go. Yeah. I am so excited for them to do that. But here on the podcast, 
you got to tell people, how can they find you? How can they interact with you on social media? How can they find you on Facebook? What's your website? How do they get to your teachable so that they don't have to wait for the bundle class? They just go. Of course, I would be very happy. So on Instagram, that's where I hang out the most. Thanks to Katie's arm. <laughs> it's her fault. <laughs> so I am at Diana. Uh, I say my name in Spanish, so I say Diana, but it's spelled Diana in English, D-I-A-N-A, underscore dance magic. So Diana underscore dance magic on Instagram. On Facebook, you can find me as Belly Dance by Diana. And then my Teachable is dianadancemagic.teachable.com. And so I already have uh, some Saidi courses there. So if you're like itching to get started, you you have something there you, you can start on. Absolutely fantastic. Our last question for you before we leave, Diana. Over the past 18 months, life has been difficult, to say the <laughs> least. And we are bringing a little bit of positivity here. What is the most positive dance experience you've had over the past 18 months throughout the pandemic? I love it. Okay. And that's very easy. The most positive dance experience was this last summer. I was uh, an instructor at Yahala Yal Dance Festival for their 20 year anniversary. And Mm -hmm. they have a live band, which is called The Drawn, and they're amazing. And for the first time in my life, I danced to Enta Omri. And it was just super thrilling. And I I had a blast with it. I, you know, and the Omri is such a classic song that I think a lot of us are, at least I was very careful with it, like dancing mm-hmm. it publicly. And it's also been done so many times. So it's kind of like, how do you make it your own, but still like respectful of the tradition? The whole right. thing, right? <laughs> Roots, branches, where's the balance? We're coming um, back. <laughs> But, and so I knew I wanted to push it a little bit. I did a split, but I did it right at the perfect moment and with the perfect setup and like people loved it and I had a blast. So I, I, I think. And I bet it was so nice to like go back to being in person and like. Yeah. And feeling the audience with me, feeling the band with me, co-creating this moment and then the audience responding and also you know, like adjusting things according to the feedback I'm getting from the audience. You know, that's just. Dance is, especially this dance, it's meant to be shared, you know, it, it, mm-hmm. it's really made as an interactive kind of art. So I'm, I'm really grateful we, we had that opportunity to gather and I look forward to more. Awesome. Fantastic. Diana, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today and to share all of your wonderful knowledge around, around Keynes and Asaya and Saidi, because I feel like this is everybody here is like, okay, I got to go find a stick to start <laughs> swinging around in my house like this. I know everybody's itching to go. So thank you so much for being here, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. That tip to give a little nod to tradition before you do something new and different in your dance I love it and is definitely something I'll be adopting into my own choreographies. What is your biggest takeaway from this conversation? I cannot wait to dive into Diana's course, Strength and Sensuality, a Saidi Stick Choreography, as part of the 2021 bundle. We'll be doing it live so you can ask questions and really dive into Diana's technique. And her challenge today for the 21 Days of Belly Dance? It's just a little taste of what's to come. Check out the challenge and Diana's socials at thebellydancebundle.com slash 77. Now, go find your Asaya and have some fun.